Hey everybody, welcome back to the Student Ministry Conversations podcast with your host, Russell Martin and Brent Aiken. We are glad you're joining us today. We hope you find this conversation helpful, insightful, and encouraging as you continue to lead your students in ministry. We want to remind you, social media, check us out at Talk Student Men and check our website, studentministryconversations.org. Today, we're excited for a conversation that Brent had with Keith Parker. Keith is the student ministry team leader at Greenford Christian Church in Greenford, Ohio. And they sit down and talk about what it means to have a holistic view of, for your youth ministry. And so, Brent, can you tell us a little bit more about this conversation? Yeah, so I sit down with Keith today, and we talk about a holistic view of youth ministry. And without ruining too much, I don't want to go into too many details, because Keith does a great job explaining um, what exactly that means and what it is. So I can't wait for y'all to hear this conversation for yourselves, um, so y'all can be in on this conversation as well. It was a great one. I loved it, and I can't wait for you to hear it. All right. Well, without any further delay, here is Brent's conversation with Keith Parker. Hey guys, welcome back to Student Ministry Conversations. I'm one of your hosts, Brent Aiken, and today I'm sitting down with Keith Parker. Um, and so Keith, just like my last episode, Brian, I've known for a little while. Um, we worked for a group called youthmen.org together for a little bit, and we got to uh, we got to meet each other and uh, work together as we put out content and resources for youth pastors all over the world. And it was really an awesome opportunity. And I, it was a great yeah. pleasure and privilege to bring some of these guys back and have them on the show. And so today, Keith is going to be sitting down with us and talking with us about holistic ministry. But I want Keith to have a minute to um, introduce himself, tell us where you are, where you're from, all that fun stuff, how long you've been in student ministry, anything else you want to add? Yeah, man. Thank you so much. And it's good to, good to be with you. Uh, so I am a gray-haired youth pastor. It's always a, a popular thing. Uh, I've been in youth ministry since I was 19, uh, which is also when I started going gray, which is a fun little bit of trivia. Probably a correlation there, I would guess. Uh, so I have been in youth ministry for 24 years, like I said. Um, started at a church in Indiana, central Indiana called Hazelwood Christian Church. And I was their middle school, high school, and college age guy for about 17 years uh, until 2017 when I moved to Greenford Christian Church in Northeast Ohio, where I am currently. And uh, I've gone through a little transition over the last two years uh, where I'm now overseeing student ministry, overseeing our student ministry team. Uh, of Billy Hartwig and Isaac Leimeister, who are awesome, awesome guys, awesome youth pastors. Uh, so I oversee them. I kind of help run our young adults ministry, and then I do adult discipleship as well. So that's kind of my ministry rundown. Um, I got a great family, three boys that are 18, 15, and 11, and a wonderful wife who puts up with all my shenanigans. So got it pretty good. <laughs> There you go. Behind every great youth pastor is the spouse that is uh, kind of begrudgingly some days just dragging <laughs> behind us. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And so what well, that's awesome. Um, it's such a great um, introduction and in talking about how you oversee um, the youth pastors that work at your church, because that's kind of the conversation that we're going to have today 
um, with the conversation about holistic ministry. And so for the people that might not be familiar with maybe that term or for the people that just really don't have any experience in it at all, what is the importance of having a holistic approach to your ministry? Yeah. And I think probably the most important thing we can do is like define that because that may be a term that people aren't, uh, aren't accustomed to. Uh, when I say that, what I mean is taking a 30,000 foot view of your ministry and seeing the big picture uh, and allowing the mission and the purpose and the vision uh, to really drive everything that you do. Um, and, and honestly, looking at a student and you could name them uh, and you could say, man, little Timmy, he's coming into sixth grade this year and he's going to be in my middle school ministry, then he's going to be in my high school ministry, then he's going to be in our young adults ministry. Uh, like, how are we going to take little Timmy on a discipleship journey where he learns the key biblical foundations, the key truths, he has the key relationships, the key conversations, so that when he does graduate and move into adult ministry, he is a full-fledged, full follower of Jesus who has a firm grasp of what his faith really looks like. That's kind of what I, I mean by that term. Uh, you can give props to Doug Fields if you want, or probably Rick Warren for purpose-driven, if you want to use that term, like that's a good term. Uh, you can call it missional. You can call it upper room, like Will Mancini and Future Church. Uh, call it whatever you want. Uh, but that's kind of what we're looking at is like, how do you see the big picture and not just the little minutia that we get stuck in every day. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. And I think it's something that's super important. And especially for, I mean, there's a lot of youth pastors out there that do kind of hit the ground running with no, um, no experience, but then on top of that, no guidance either. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times you have the new youth pastors that are coming into the scene. Um, and I honestly was one of these as well. And thankfully I've had some great mentors over the years. Um, but we, you have the youth pastors that kind of just jump in and they're like, all right, my goal is to get them through high school or get them through junior high. Um, and I'm supposed to be here and hang out with them and like teach them about Jesus. And then hopefully at some point during the experience, um, maturation that happens, um, with student or with your job and your profession and like learning more about what you do, you begin to see, that, oh man, like not only am I like teaching these kids, but I'm hopefully prepping them for their future as well. I'm not just telling them about Jesus. I want to have Jesus in such a way where it sticks past the time that I have them. And so, yeah, um, absolutely. Doug Fields and, and Rick Warren, like you said, purpose driven, um, life purpose driven youth ministry, uh, they yeah. definitely kind of have the coin behind it, but it's a serious yeah. conversation to have. And so, um, other than those, there's obviously been a few things, um, in our youth men circles, um, over the past couple of years, I know grow with their curriculum has really kind of pushed the scope and sequence, um, mindset mm -hmm. behind like having this long-term plan and having this discipleship structure that will hopefully bring students from point A to point B. But um, in y'all's conversations and your preparations for your church, how do y'all go about having that um, holistic viewpoint to where you're not looking at just like you said, little Timmy when he enters sixth grade, but you're also <laughs> looking at little Timmy when he's graduating as a senior? Right. Yeah. And I, I, to be honest, I don't know if I answered your first question. I kind of identified the definition of what it is. Um, but there's, 
I guess the, the benefits that you asked, why is it so important? And, uh, before I answer your, your question there about, you know, those conversations, I think that's huge. Like why, why does it matter? Uh, and I think, I think we all kind of do this. You, you said it really well, like youth pastors go, they go to a church, they hit the ground running. Like, what does that typically mean? Well, it typically means that you're like, you're at the football game on Friday nights, you're running the lock-in, you're having the fifth quarter party, you're doing the retreats, you know, you're doing all the stuff, like all the, the busy, busy of doing ministry. And it is all ministry, but like, sometimes we become really good event planners or we become really good calendar fillers. And we forget that in the midst of jumping from one event to to the next program, to the next scheduled thing or whatever, that there is this long-term journey that's happening. Like we are in these relationships with these students and we're bringing these leaders on and they're, they're signing up to, to invest in the lives of students. And we want to take them somewhere, not just show them a really good series of events and activities. So I think, you know, I think some benefits of what holistic ministry looks like number one it gives you the the why like every single thing that you that you're looking at like what event are we going to do like why are we doing that fifth quarter party that takes all sorts of time and energy why are we doing that lock-in why is anyone doing a lock-in that's a great question right i mean come on like what's the purpose like if you're just doing it because it fills a calendar and you got to have something every month but it doesn't drive your mission or it doesn't doesn't help a student on their journey to follow Jesus. Why? Like it gives you purpose. It gives you clarity. It gives you focus. Um, it helps you align with the larger church. Like your church has a mission and I've seen it so many times where the youth ministry has a different mission than the, the church's ministry. And you talk about confusing, you talk about you know, why, why do students drop off the face of the earth when they move into adulthood? You know, I think some of those things factor in like, well, I was doing this and then we, we moved to adult ministry. It's a different thing. It's a different culture. It's different language. It's different purpose, different vision, different mission that doesn't work. So how do, you know, having a holistic approach, like the goal is not that they have a great high school ministry experience or middle school ministry experience. It's that they have a great experience following Jesus for the long haul. Um, I love this one. It gives you permission to say no. Um, I love saying no. It's so much fun. <laughs> but like, it allows you to eliminate things that are extraneous, things that, you know, how many times have we been in ministry where somebody's called us and like, hey, I have this great idea for something that the youth should do. Uh, they should come and they should clean out my gardens of all the weeds. That would be awesome. And you're like, okay. Like it just gives you, not that that you can't do that and serve people and all that, but like it gives you clarity and it gives you permission to say no, because it's not on purpose. It's not holistic. It's not part of the bigger picture. Um, I think this one's good. It helps you know if you're winning. Um, I think we all want to know if we're winning, like, are we succeeding when little Timmy goes from sixth grade to age 22? What does that look like? What are the, what are the things, what are the fruits that we see in Jimmy? I I changed his name to Jimmy just now. He's now, he went from Timmy to Jimmy all of a sudden. It was a Saul to Paul conversion. I mean, that's how good it was. That's yeah. He's definitely a Jesus follower now for sure. But like, you can look at, at, 
Timmy and you can identify like, Hey, these are the things we want our students to know. When you take a big picture approach, like a superintendent of a school, like this is what we want them to know when they graduate. And you can go, do they know it? Or did we do a poor job of teaching it? Are we winning? Like, I think that's way more helpful than counting noses and all that kind of stuff that, that tends to be the focus, right? Like, are we winning? Are we making disciples of Jesus? And what does that look like? What's the scorecard? Um, and then I think this is me being a nerd, but like that superintendent vibe, like I know that most youth pastors hear that and they're like, Oh, <laughs> that's not, that's not a word I want applied to me, but it does allow you to create a comprehensive biblical training for your students. Like what things do I think are crucial foundational truths of God's word that I need to teach throughout the time that they're a part of a sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade, like, and what are they ready for? Like what conversations are they ready for when they're a sophomore that they maybe weren't ready for in sixth grade. And I can help lay that whole thing out where now it's a journey that they're on from start to finish instead of like, Oh, let's do this thing. And then I don't know, this sounds fun. And I saw this thing on Instagram. That sounds cool. Like it's a big picture, a full, full course, full mission. Does that make sense? Am I, am I rambling on? No, no, that's perfect. I mean, you hit it right on in my mind. And I think the big thing is uh, with that is like you have um, ultimately you're the one with the roadmap. You're the one that is hopefully developing that um, plan of action or whatever you want to call it. But in all in, in the grand scheme of things, at the end of the day, it's just a discipleship strategy. That's all you're doing is you're saying, hey, instead of hoping that your kids make faith based choices in college or as young adults, saying, no, why don't we just teach them to do it? So they do it <laughs> like, right, right. um, one of my it's favorite, on <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite illustrations that I've ever seen done is from a friend of mine. Um, and he, t when he's talking about the great commission and he gets up, uh, in front of the church and like gets a person to come up and be his volunteer. And like, he gets them to teach him how to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich. But like, he takes yeah. every single word that they say literal. So if they're like, take some peanut butter, <laughs> He like sticks his hand in the peanut butter jar and like just has a fistful of peanut butter. And it's like, you know, nice. that's great. But in all the reality, like I think youth pastors are just as guilty of this as other people. Like a lot of people are, we get them to the point to where they know Jesus. And then we're like, Hey, here's a Bible mm -hmm. figure out the rest. Right. Um, and that's something that's going to ultimately lead to their destruction. Um, because unless they have the mentors and the other people that step in and guide that, you don't have anything to move off of that essential claim of Jesus being who he says he was. Yeah. You don't have the foundational elements built. And so how, and I, oh, go ahead. I, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I think, I think um, something that happens a lot, uh, a great example. I, I just took a group of college students to a passion conference down in Atlanta. And so, you know, we're renting vans, we're driving down there, you know, it's 13 hours from Northeast Ohio to Atlanta. It took us forever to get there. Uh, but anyway, long story short, we get back, I'm trying to catch up. It's a busy week of ministry, lots going on. Uh, and on Tuesday, I spent two and a half hours filling out vouchers. Like, here's my receipts. Here's where we bought fuel in Tennessee. And here's how much it was. And here's what account it comes from. Like when you're sitting there doing that, you're like, this is what I was called into by God almighty. Like, you know, it does not feel like a calling, but 
it, it is, it's part of it, but that's not where I want to live. And where I see a lot of youth pastors, and, and I was guilty of this for a long time, like we live in, in that stuff. Like we're, we're figuring out the fun game we're going to play and we're figuring out the, you know, what snacks are we going to have? And we're filling out the vouchers and we're helping with this, that, and the other. And all those things are, they're good, but good is the enemy of great, right? Like I I've heard so many youth pastors say like, well, I, you know, I just have been really busy. And so next week I'm going to set aside like an hour to really dream and really look at the big vision of my ministry. And it's like, I feel like that should be flipped. Like it should be, I'm going to spend all this time. I'm really busy thinking about the big picture and I'm going to schedule an hour to fill out vouchers, right? Like that's the stuff. I think we have it backwards sometimes and we become really good at that, that lower level stuff. And we miss the big picture because we're so busy running events and, and doing the mundane tasks that need to be done. And like, I don't know about you, but that, I don't think that's fun. Like I'd rather, <laughs> I'd rather see the big picture and help students follow Jesus wholeheartedly for their whole lives. And all of that plays a part in it. Like you have to have a lower level to have an upper level, but I want to live in the upper level more. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, and I, the thing that keeps coming back to me is like, Jesus didn't call us to be the party party planning committee um, right. off of the office. <laughs> but like the whole premise behind it is like, I mean, there's so much more to ministry. And while those events are good, even when you, I, and even when you think through events, like you said, are they worth it? But it also might even reevaluate your thinking and your planning and structure of like, okay, we've done this event. This is a thing that we do every single year. Like it's unavoidable, inescapable. We have to do it. How can we change it to where it's being impactful towards the yeah. mission that we have? And so it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that we have to destroy things or only do things that go into the mission, but we need to think and kind of collaborate and maybe revise a few of our things to say, Hey, I know that we do like it's tradition. We've done a lock-in at this church for the past 25 years. Like there's yeah. no way I'm going to get out of it, but what can I do during that time of a lock-in that yeah. will give us time to be intentional towards progressing these students in their relationship with Jesus. And whether that's yeah. adding saying like, Hey, from seven to nine or whatever, like we're just going to spend time in worship and prayer and everything else. And then the rest of the night can be goof off, but like we yeah. still have that moment to dive in and get deep and get serious yeah. and have those life-changing conversations. But I think uh, a great example from that passion conference trip. So this is, this is real world. Like this is a conversation I had this week. Um, we took our students to passion conference. We drove 13 hours one way. And if you've ever been to passion, like it's, it's 60,000 people in a stadium. I mean, it's a, it's a big event. You can't do anything quickly. You can't go to the bathroom quickly. You can't get food quickly. You can't go anywhere quickly. Like, and everything is all stage driven. But one of our values is that we think circles are better than rows. You know, like we think relational conversation is better than staring in one direction. Um, and literally all we did for that weekend was stare in one direction and it, it's great. Like passion, you're not going to get any better quality, like communicators, worship leaders, technology. The show is unbelievable. And there's a wow factor there. But this week I'm looking at it going, was that worth it? 
Like, is there a better way where we could have like meaningful conversation, meaningful connection, and maybe we live stream some of the passion stuff, but we do it from a retreat center near us where we can have more relational connection and more conversation because that drives the mission forward as opposed to the wow factor of driving down there. Like that's the the kind of stuff I'm talking about is that big picture. Like, yes, this was good. But, and what you said, like you can look at it and go, Hey, we don't have to kill it, but how do we innovate it so that it matches our mission and contextualizes for our purposes better? Yeah, definitely. Um, and so you've kind of touched on this. I just want to make sure that you have enough room to adequately talk about everything, but is there any specific practices that you and your ministry specifically hold towards like making sure this kind of viewpoint and this kind of approach happens? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, um, you know, making sure like I'm in a position where I oversee a team of people. So I've got more than one youth pastor that's we're doing life together. Um, and so even the way that we sort of form our meetings is built around this. So we have, this was pre COVID cause COVID wrecked everything, but, uh, pre COVID when we were meeting and could actually be in the same rooms together, um, we would have two meetings a month as a student ministry team. And the first one, uh, we called our dreaming meeting. And it was all big picture conversations. It was, how are we doing on mission? What are the big rocks that we need to make sure we're hitting where like, so even setting that up in such a way that this conversation is not about how much are we paying for rental vans? That's not what we're doing here. Like we're talking big rocks, big picture. What are we teaching? Where are we going? How are we communicating the mission? Um, the second meeting we called our student ministry team nuts and bolts. And that was the, okay, who's buying the chips? like that kind of stuff, right? Like who's getting the forks? We need forks. Um, so those kind of things, it just, it helps to kind of balance out like, yes, you got to have forks. That's important, but let's make sure the conversation that we really start with is the big picture stuff. Um, I think to go into this, uh, it's a lot of commitment. Like it's easy to grab some some downloads. And I know you asked me earlier about like some, some holistic, more, more holistic approaches from resource organizations like grow. Um, like, I think that's great. I think, I think it's great that it's not just, here's a one-off sermon. Here's some cool event ideas. Here's what to do at your silent disco. Like all that's fun, but I love that there's approaches now that are moving in a more holistic fashion. Um, but I do want to caution. I don't think anybody, no matter how good they are, I don't think it's ever just plug and play. Like you have to contextualize anything that you get and it has to match your church's vision and mission. It has to match your context, your place, your ministry, your calling like that. Yeah. Don't just download it on Sunday morning at 7am and go, go preach it and call it good. Uh, I love that they're moving that way. I think it can start the conversation, but I don't think it's ever just like, no, we're good. I downloaded that thing. We're good to go now. Um, but committing to it, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. You know, when we went to Hazelwood 17 years before we left Hazelwood, um, we were there the first day there was a preschool program on stage and there was like, you know, how every preschool program has that kid like that's doing, he's all over the place. Oh yeah. Like 
there was that kid and he was acting crazy. And I leaned over to my wife and I said, we're going to watch that kid graduate high school. And we just made the commitment. We were going to be there for the long haul. And he graduated high school and he went into ministry and he's doing ministry now. And it's like, it's just awesome. But you can't implement something like this and be like, we're on an eight year plan and then leave in a year and a half. Like you won't see the fruit uh, of this sort of thing. So you've got to be committed to it and you got to stick with it. Um, I think you got to give away leadership. You know, this is a big, a big thing. And when you communicate this to your volunteers, you got, you got to give them an opportunity to own it. Uh, it's one thing to say it. It's another thing for them to like express it. And so they'll internalize it when they get a chance to, to use it. Uh, and then I think communicate, 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 always sneeze the virus. That's really apt saying for this time in life. Am I right? Sneeze the virus. That's exactly that is, what everybody. That is perfect. No one will ever forget. <laughs> sneeze the virus. Sneeze the virus. Yeah. Like oh. you gotta keep saying it. Like yeah. this is where we're going. This is the mission. Uh, at Hazelwood, our mission statement was connect, worship, grow, serve. And I would say it, and my adult leaders would like roll their eyes and groan because they'd heard it so many times. But they all knew it. Yep. They could all articulate it. They knew how, it, what it meant. They knew how it worked. So, yeah, no, that's awesome. And so, yeah, I, I think that there's definitely some, um, great, uh, like obviously there's great development and great growth that comes from this. And like you said, having that commitment and like committing to that long-term goal, not only will it allow you to see growth, but it builds trust. It builds all kinds of things within the ministry to where they know that you're going to be there for a while. Um, and that's whether you're one youth pastor by yourself, whether that you have a associate or like maybe an intern or something like that, or you're a multi-church, multi-site, whatever. Um, that, that factor of trust is huge. Um, and kids will not buy into what you're doing and volunteers really won't even buy into what you're doing without them knowing that you're going to be there to back it as well. Um, and so obviously with this though, there are some things that are, um, great practices, um, and great, um, steps towards doing that. Like you said, communicate regularly, uh, make sure you're on the same page with everybody, stuff like that. Um, what are some potential, um, roadblocks that you could come into play with? Um, because obviously, um, with every good thing, there's always some bad things and this was not on our questions. So I'm kind of, kind of throw you under the bus here, but I think it's a great, I think it's a great question to have because, um, with anything good, you have to plan for the potential hiccups and the potential roadblocks. And obviously with an 30,000 feet view, you're still going to run into some roadblocks, but it might be roadblocks that you've never run into before. Yeah. Sorry. That's, uh, that's my dryer in case you hear that buzz. So I'm sitting in my living room and my dryer is really loud. Hang on. I'm going to get to turn it off. Otherwise it's going to buzz four more times. Um, yeah, that's a great question. What roadblocks are there? Um, ah, silence. Sorry. They can edit that, right? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so yeah, we'll just basically I'll clap and then you can like restart and answer the question and Russell will just edit it out. Okay. Okay. So Perfect. Whenever you're ready. All right. Hit me. Yep. 
Yeah. I mean, there are always going to be roadblocks, always going to be difficult things whenever you try something, um, try something new. So one of the biggest things I would say is, um, the biggest obstacles is, is, is owning this and doing the hard work to make this work in your context specifically. Uh, and I can, I can actually tell you how it, how it played out. Um, our church, and I won't say which church, <laughs> our church that I was at many moons ago, um, they had a mission statement that was very, very old school and very convoluted. Uh, it was so many words. It was like a book. And so I was on staff and could not articulate the, the mission statement of our church. It was, it was bad. Uh, so we shortened it in our youth ministry, you know, I said, you should have alignment with your larger church. And I was that guy who did not. Um, so do as I say, not as I do, but, uh, we changed it. We changed our, our statement to connect, worship, grow, serve. And I, I literally sat down and I did the spade work and I created, you know, this holistic approach. There were two major key pillar foundational truths under connect, under worship, under grow, under serve. So eight foundational truths we wanted every student to know when they graduated, very similar to the seven checkpoints of like Andy Stanley. Um, just we were one better than Andy Stanley. You know, we were eight. He was only seven. What you know, punk. strive for greatness. What can yeah. I say? <laughs> but that did the hard work, did the, the spade work, got into the word, contextualized it, prayed over it, and then cast the vision and away we went. And it took off like gangbusters. Uh, well, many, many years later, our youth ministry was doing really well. And our eldership at the church decided they wanted to revamp the mission statement of the church. And they went, hmm, you know what seems to be working really well? It's that youth ministry stuff. They got that connect, worship, grow, serve thing going on. That seems to resonate. Let's go with that. And so they took that motto and they slapped it on the church logo and it didn't really change anything. Like it didn't move anything. They just kept doing everything they were doing with a new logo and a new statement. Um, that's a, that's a definite pitfall. Like you gotta be careful and you gotta, you gotta know that it's not like, well, I can just take the mission statement of somebody else and just throw it on there and it's going to be fine. It literally has to shape every single thing that you do. And that's hard work. And it takes a lot of like time and energy and direction. And you got to revamp it and revisit it and be willing to change it and, and make it work. Um, that to me is the biggest pitfall because everybody's got a mission statement. Everybody's got a vision statement. Everybody's got a cool website. So it's easy to go like, I'm going to grab that. I'm going to steal that one. That one's good. But if it well doesn't drive everything. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. And that brings up a good thought process behind it. It's like, you know, what's the point of a mission statement if it doesn't drive what you're doing? Right. Um, like if, if you literally have words on your building that you're not following, like take the words down, like there's no point, no point in them being right. there. I mean, and it doesn't have to be, uh, uh y'all's <laughs> mission statements. Great. But like, Every, uh, every church, every organization is going to have different mission statements and it's not necessarily the words that the words that are behind them. It's mm -hmm. the thought process, the prayer and the intentionality that drive those words into the actions of the church, because right. ours is really, really simple. Ours is 
love God, love people, offer Christ. And like, it's super, super simple, but in all reality, you guys were one better than Jesus. He only had love God, love people. You threw another one in there. So so, yeah, well, we kind of took the great commission and like, (laughs) that was our third, but I mean, like, yeah, but so with that, like, it's not love God, love people offer Christ that changes anything, but we have to look at that and we have to say, all right, how are we loving God? How are we teaching people to engage with God in a way that is loving in a way that is um, like, like teaching them to be reverent and like just completely in awe of who God is. And then how are we taking that love that we have for God and shifting it to where we can express it outwards Mm -hmm. towards pushing towards other people so we can love God uh, and like love people with that same kind of love that God has for us. And then like, how does that expression of love bring us into conversation to where we can offer Jesus? And so if like, if that's not what we're doing, like the words don't mean anything. Right. So make sure that you don't just put words out there. And you, you said like you did the separate mission statement from your church. (laughs) I totally did that too. uh, At my last church. Guilty. (laughs) Yeah. Totally did that too at my last church, but it was the same kind of premise. It was like, uh, the church, my last church was like this so-and-so church exists to make disciples of all nations and proclaim the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. And like yeah. had like two or three more sentences after it. And it was like, man, that is a lot. And yeah. so <laughs> I took it and I was like, look, we're here to engage, equip and encourage, in, engage, equip and encourage. And uh, so like we started thinking E's. through, yeah. Uh, might be nerdy as well, but I mean, who knows? That's all right. So, That's good. But yeah. uh, so we took that and ran with it and like started developing this whole process behind each of them. And um, like, there's no point unless you have the back end behind and you're able to say, Hey, we say this, but this is what we m- mean and what we want to see out of it. This yep. is the second one. This is what we mean. This is what we see kind of thing like that. And if you can't yeah. accurately, um, and concisely explain that, like you're wasting your time. Yeah. So a good example would be my last church was connect, worship, grow, serve. That was our mission statement. Um, my, my church that I'm at currently, the mission statement is to make disciples of Jesus who make disciples of Jesus. So kind of begs the question, like when you start digging in, like what, what's the spade work? How do we, how do we make that happen in the lives of a student kind of begs the question, like what's a disciple? Yeah. Like if I'm making a disciple, what's a disciple? So we define that a disciple puts Jesus first. They love others. They share everything, which is their time, talent, treasure, and testimony. And they are fruitful. They make other disciples. So now I've got these four pillars, these four key components of a disciple that I can start working through with sixth graders, seventh graders, eighth graders. Like, what does that look like in the life of a seventh grader? What does it mean to be fruitful? Like it might be different than it is for a 45 year old guy, you know? So how do we do that? And how do we take the, the picture of what the church is driving and the mission that we're on and how do we make that work for every student in our ministry? How do we guide them through that process? So the other obstacle I was going to mention, and I think this is the opposite side, you know, one is to just slap a motto on it and make it, make it sound cool. Uh, the other is to, to be tempted 
to fall back into old youth ministry practices just because like it's convenient and it's easy, you know, to kind of default back into like, well, we're going to do a big event because, you know, I'm a youth pastor and I want to have a big event that I can MC and it's going to be great. Um, that, yeah, that's great. But if it doesn't accomplish your mission, then don't do that. Uh, I love what Isaac Leimeister, our high school pastor is doing currently just launched it two weeks ago. Uh, we have in our area, it's a very rural area in Northeast Ohio, church of 2000 people, people driving in from all over the place. Uh, we actually have 27 high schools represented in our high school ministry. So crazy, like, but there are all these little pockets of communities, like all over the place. So Isaac said, how do we help students share their time, talent, treasure, and testimony? How do we help them be fruitful? Well, let's set them up to be leaders and to impact their community. So now he started this thing. Instead of having midweek where we all come to the church and hang out, where everybody's driving 25 minutes, he's set up a thing called HSM Anywhere. And it's in students' homes, in those communities, in those places. So there's eight or, eight or nine of them that are happening 30 minutes from the church where we don't have a church or a campus, but it's a student opening their home. And then he provides a video that they utilize and they lead their friends through a small group. Like it's them empowered. And it makes total sense for what our mission is. And like I said, he just launched it last week and we've already seen 200% growth in our high school ministry on our Wednesday night attendance. And we've met 15 new students in the last two weeks that have never darkened the door of our church because of this, this thing that he's doing. And it's like, wow, yeah, it's awesome. And it That's fits amazing. with our mission, fits with our purpose, fits with our direction. And, and it helps students understand, like I'm on mission. Like I'm, I'm making an impact in my community. That, so, that's awesome. That's really yeah. cool. But I mean, I think that hits the nail on the head once again, just the premise of like, I think so many times, especially um, you talk about like the old youth ministry methods. A lot of times we let the old church methods kind of drive our functioning as well. And somehow or another down the line, this, this idea that like we have to be in the building for church to happen, like is not the case. And if anything, I think that's one of the best things about the past couple of years of quarantining and everybody moving to virtual yep. is it, it really, really shook the like doors off of some places big, that have been like barred shut for a really, really long time. And yeah. for the ones that just absolutely refuse to like open those doors, like they're not, they're not here anymore. And so it just begs the question of like, you know, Jesus did do ministry in churches. He went to synagogues, don't get me wrong, but right. his greatest moments of teaching were outside of the walls. And so we have that same opportunity. And the thing is, is we're just like you said, you, I mean, 200% growth, um, like you wouldn't have experienced that any other way. You wouldn't have had that right. opportunity if you hadn't taken what y'all were doing to those different communities um, which is one yeah. of those, once again, looking at 30,000 feet above, like how, like, are we genuinely doing what we're supposed to do? Is this something that we are doing or can we do it better? Can yeah. we do it in a different way that reaches more kids? And I mean, that's awesome. That's a, that's an incredible, um, ministry opportunity. And then ultimately yeah. on top of that, y'all are doing exactly what your mission statement was 
which was make right. disciples who make disciples. And let me let me step out of my oversight pastor role. One of the HSM Anywheres meets at my house and my 18-year-old son leads it. And so as a dad, I'm getting to A, welcome all these students from our community into my home. And B, I'm I'm getting to watch my son like lead and learn what ministry looks like and send texts to his friends and invite them to our, our house and to be a part of this thing. Like all of that is, is huge. Like, and I'm loving it as a dad, as much as I'm loving it as a, a pastor. That's man. That's, that's awesome. That is so cool. And so, I mean, shoot, that's amazing. Um, obviously there's tons of different factors that we've discussed back and forth through this that make this effective, but I, I think the biggest thing, and we've kind of touched on it a little more. I just wanted to make sure that you had ample time to say everything you wanted to say is, um, especially with the 30,000, uh, feet view, if you don't have a dedicated staff of youth pastors, and even a lot of times in this regard, you still have to have it. Um, none of this, um, like long-term long scale teaching plan and discipleship strategy works without the buy-in of volunteers. And so how do you get volunteers on board to this long-term approach? And then how do you effectively continue to keep them on board? Or do y'all have to deal with a lot of ins and outs of volunteers like swapping? No. And I think, I think this is a, a little like life hack for youth pastors. Because I think sometimes when we, when we ask people, you know, Hey, would you sign on and help out with our middle school ministry? Like the initial knee jerk for most people is hang out with a bunch of middle school kids. No, thanks. I do not. I don't want to do that. You know, uh, especially when it's like, it's going to mean overnighters and retreats and time away. And that sounds terrible. When you invite them into something with a long-term purpose, I think people are more apt to say yes. And they're more apt to be involved and plugged in and excited because they know that it's going somewhere. It's not just let's, we're going to do this event and then we're going to do that event. And then we're going to do this event. You know, it's, it's lifelong investment. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And so when I, when I began the process of inviting people onto our team, this is where I started. I didn't start with, Hey, we, we think you're super cool. And we think the kids will love you. Like we started with, here's the big picture of where we want our ministry to go. And here's what we want our students to learn. And we think that you can be a part of that because we see some of these traits in you. And we think your investment in the lives of these students is going to make a difference. And so most people will sign up for that. Even people that, that you wouldn't think would sign up for that. Um, and so I think, that continuous communication. And then once you have them on board, um, reminding them along the way that sometimes those things that are like, they had to deal with the kid who was, you know, doing the stupid stuff and spraying water all over the bathroom and, you know, all the nonsense that happens in youth ministry or whatever, like reminding them that there's a bigger picture and a bigger purpose at play. And when you keep reminding them over and over again, and they're like, ah, yeah, that's right. I know, I know we're going to get somewhere. It's nice because I was the kid spraying water all over the bathroom in my own youth group. So I could be like, listen, you know, maybe it won't all end up for bad. Like maybe he'll go into youth ministry. Who knows? (laughs) So yeah, I think just continuously 
reminding them of the mission, um, pointing out that this is a long-term thing. And yeah, so I, I did not have a lot of turnover um, along the way because I think people were like, I, I see the big picture here. Or yeah, maybe I, I just got lucky. Yeah, <laughs> I well, and I, I love how you uh, you immediately valued, like uh, you immediately gave the volunteers that you sought after value. Um, it wasn't like a, Hey, come back in a year. And I'm going to tell you how important you were. It was like, we are doing this. These are the steps that we're going to take. We see those qualities in you and we want you to model those for the students. Like you immediately gave them value. You immediately gave them worth in a program that they're considering at that point, but like hook, line and sinker, they're already bought because you're right. giving them value for the ministry. And then you're also giving them a plan of where you want to go. Like that is the yeah. best way that you can get a volunteer. Um, because man, who wouldn't buy into that? Hey, we're going to go change the lives of these students and we're going to change it with X, Y, Z. And we see that you really, really do those well. And mm-hmm. we like, we would be honored for you to be a part of this kind of thing. Like who yeah. wouldn't want to jump in on that? So well, that's, then- and another piece of that puzzle is uh, when I ask somebody to sign on, um, it was never for anything less than a year long commitment. You know, it was never like, Hey, why don't you come check it out? And if you don't like it after six weeks, like we can just reevaluate. It was like, we would like for you to be a part of it. And we would like you to commit for this entire school year because your presence is going to speak volumes to the students in our ministry And that's how you build relationships is being present. So it might mean ping pong. It might mean eating pizza. It might mean staying up late, but your presence at these things is going to be the thing that moves the needle. So we want you to commit to a full year after a year. If, if you're dying, if your life circumstances have changed, if whatever, like we'll talk again, but usually what happened is that year would come around and they'd go, Oh no, I'm in. Like I'm, I'm going, I'm, I'm in long-term and we've, we left, uh, we left Hazelwood four and a half years ago and the, the student ministry team, many of the the people that are still on that team were, were people that were on my team for long-term. Um, so it, it's awesome to see that that ministry, that investment in the lives of students continues uh, even beyond which, I mean, I would hope every pastor would say that I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about, about him. And so that's a, that's a cool thing. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's something that is, um, massively not prepared for. Um, and I, I wrote a blog about it, um, on our, on the student ministry conversation site that has been referenced a time or two, but it's like, you know, we're not building a legacy of us. And I think that's one of the other beautiful things about that 30,000 foot view is it's impossible to get that high up and still think of yourself because you are not the one pulling all the like bells and whistles. You're not making everything work. If you're looking that high up off the ground, you have to have volunteers in place that are doing the work. And you're just there to basically encourage and equip the volunteers and then they're doing the work and you're sitting there and saying, man, I, like you just kind of get to not necessarily just sit back and watch, but because yeah. I mean, I, I don't like that terminology because you still do work, but you get to enjoy 
the aspect of the ministry that's happening. Um, and it's not that you're so like head down in the trenches where like, you can't even like look up to breathe. You actually get to enjoy the process of the ministry that's happening. Yep. Um, so yeah, very, very good stuff. So outside of this conversation, we've talked about a few things, obviously, um, with the purpose-driven youth ministry, Doug Fields, everything like that. Um, but do you have any resources or anything like that, that you'd recommend people go look at? Well, for ninety nine ninety nine, you can buy my. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. Ha- I don't have any cool stuff like that. Uh, there is a, a church, a church book that I've I've started reading. It's not youth ministry specific, but I think it speaks to this. Um, Will Mancini wrote this book. It's called Future Church, um, and it talks a ton about uh, the upper room and the lower room of ministry, and that we spend a lot of our time on the lower room stuff which is your programs, your, your people, your, your places and your personality, the four P's. Um, but the, the constant with those four things is those things always change, right? So how do we live in that upper level? I think that's, I've actually only read like the first three or four chapters of this and I'm already like, yes, I'm totally, I'm totally on board with where you're going here. Uh, so I think that's a good read. Um, I think just general calling and, and pr- purpose, um, uh, of like bearing fruit, that idea. There's a, an old book called the God bearing life by Kenda crazy Dean. And, um, I think that's a great reminder that we didn't get in this to, to fill out vouchers and run lock-ins. We got into this to, to bear fruit and to point people to Jesus. Um, so those are more encouragement I would say than they are like nuts and bolts. Um, but yeah, those would be, those would be helpful. I would say, I don't even know if I have a good nuts and bolts. I think purpose-driven youth ministry, um, is probably the best one. And I, I will admit I only made it through like the first five or six chapters of that one when I first got into ministry. And I don't know why, but the idea had just resonated with me so hard that I was just like, this seems like so common sense. We should definitely ask the why before we do stuff. Why, why do you need to tell me that in a book? And I, I didn't finish it. So sorry, Doug Fields. I love you. <laughs> you know, it happens, but in all reality, like, <laughs> is there, is there a better compliment to Doug's writing than like the point was so driven in the first couple of chapters that you could put down the book and run with it? Like, um, there you go. Yep. Super, super cool. And I mean, yeah. like we, we talk about Doug, uh, fields on this podcast all the time because of the legacy that he's built for like just generation after generation of youth ministry. Um, but like, absolutely. That's a principle that's never going to leave. And it really needs to be something that is constantly brought back to the forefront of your attention is, are we really doing this for the why, or are we just doing this because, um, and getting into the, we do it because as a dangerous trap, um, because there's spinning. Yeah. Like eventually the plate's going to fall. Uh, so, but yeah. fantastic stuff. And then uh, the only other thing that I would throw in as far as resources is obviously um, in order for this 30,000 feet thing to work, you have to continue to develop yourself as a leader. Um, mm-hmm. And you have to continue to drive towards 
making yourself more efficient, uh, making yourself more of a communicator and not necessarily more of a communicator as in you talk more, but how effective you are as a communicator. Um, and so with that, um, there's all kinds of books and stuff like that, um, out there, but the resource that I go back to time and time again, um, is another podcast that I listen to all the time. Me and Russell are both very, very big fans. Um, if you don't listen to Carrie Newhoff's leadership podcast, um, mm. it needs to be on your list because he brings in anybody and everybody from just about every organization and every field known to man. And like, just sits down and talks about ministry, uh, no, not talks about ministry, sits down and talks about leadership ideals. Yeah. And I mean, if you really want to enhance being a leader, um, like why not learn from some of the leaders of like fortune 500 companies that have been like driving teams and workforces of hundreds of thousands of people, um, yeah. like seriously, you can't do better. Um, so I would definitely throw that in the list too. And if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me and Russell both reference that podcast probably a hundred times. Um, <laughs> just because we both really, really buy into the value, um, of that. And there's a lot of great insight to it, Yeah. but developing yourself as a leader, um, you have to do it. Um, and ultimately like you have to make yourself better in order to be better for the volunteers that you have under you and the other staff that you have under you. Yeah, for so, sure. Um, all right, man. So other than that, like we are pretty much rounding out the end of our conversation um, yeah. how can people connect with you on social media? Um, if you want to share your church, um, or anything like that, like this is your shameless plug moment where you can tell everybody <laughs> anything and everything you have going on. If you do any side projects, anything like that, or if you just want to say, Hey, love to talk, shoot me an email or shoot me a message on social media, kind of thing like that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't, uh, I don't know how much they would get out of my social media, Instagram accounts, uh, they can watch like, what are my workouts from the morning? And here's a weird picture of my dog and that kind of stuff. But, uh, it's at K Parker one seven zero is my Instagram and my Twitter. Um, and then I'm obviously on the, the good book, you know, Facebook. Um, so yeah, I would love to have more conversations. I'm in a lot of these youth pastor groups, uh, love to see, you know, see these young leaders that are learning and growing and asking questions. So if I can ever, you know, if I can ever help by telling you all the ways I messed it up, like I can avoid you, help you avoid the pitfalls. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would love that. Um, I'm at Greenford Christian church. So if you want to check out our church's website, uh, it's greenfordchristian.org. And, uh, our church, our, our team does a great job with online ministry. Um, just video elements and, and worship pieces, man, the, the, the team here is, is really, really solid. So if you're looking for ideas or, uh, or want to check it out, that'd be a good place to go. All right, man, as we end, um, thank you for the fantastic conversation. It was awesome to catch yeah. up with you again. Uh, yeah, you too. We look forward to, uh, hopefully seeing and hearing more from you in the future, whether it's on, uh, your own ministry stuff, or if we collaborate again, but um, as far as the episode goes, this is it, guys. We love you guys. Uh, thank you for all the ministry that you do and continue to do. And we hope that this helps in any way possible. Um, and we hope to see you next week. See you later.
Hey, thanks everybody for joining us today. We hope you were encouraged and inspired by this week's episode and that you found something that you can use as you continue to pour into the lives of your students. Yeah, if you enjoyed this episode and found it helpful, we would ask that you leave a comment and a rating on whatever platform you're listening to us on. We would appreciate that so much. Um, Also, maybe you know someone who would benefit from this conversation. Take a moment and um, share this with them on social media. Tag them and then also tag us at Talk Student Men on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also now support our podcast financially with a monthly supporter option or you you can purchase merchandise on our store at studentministryconversations.org. Both of those go directly back into the podcast to help our um, equipment costs and everything else to make this podcast better for you guys. Now, Russell, you have next week's episode. What do we have in store for the podcast next week? Yeah, next week I get to sit down and talk with Lisa Gill. Um, and she's a friend of mine in our, in our conference for youth ministry. And we talk about continuing education, not just um, classes and seminary, but, but little things that you can do to continue to grow more in um, develop yourself and develop your leadership uh, as you continue in youth ministry. So it's a great conversation and I look forward to you hearing it. Man, that sounds great. I can't wait to hear the conversation next week. Just a reminder, be sure to go to studentministryconversations.org for show notes and links from this episode. Just search for this week's episode number in the search bar. And then we also have other helpful articles and blog posts on there as well. Again, thank you for joining us and we look forward to seeing you next week.